welcome to a new episode of the Habibis, three game developers drinking good Arab tea. My name is Rami Ismail, and I'm your host for this episode. And I am Fauzi Mesmar. And I'm Osama Darius. I have nostalgia for this intro theme. I haven't heard it for a long time. <laughs> for a long time. Where have you been, Rami? Yeah, I just, I've been all over the place. I've been traveling, I've been at events, I've been... Uh, working on like a, 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 a how do you say that a, a young relationship and figuring stuff out and it's just been Aww. it's been a lot just a lot of stuff is happening and it's been it's been nice it's been a good it's been a good busy good. well we're happy to have you back right <laughs> so three habibis right. together yes yeah for the first time yeah. in weeks a month yeah it's been a while I mean except for that sahur bite we recorded the other day true uh, to celebrate Eid true. But that was the first time it was the three of us in quite a while. Yeah, it's so this... funny that uh, it seems like you know getting all three of us in the same place is not just the game we're playing. <laughs> I think, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, uh, there's there's a story I wanted to uh, to tell you guys the other day. It it seems like there's an ongoing gotta catch them all Habibis thing going. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Actually, I was talking to somebody who has met two of us and wants to meet the third one. Yeah, this is happening so often. I find it kind of funny. I was talk, I yeah. was, uh, I was like seeing. Um, I was some indie studios here in uh, in Sweden the other day, and they were showing me one of their games. And then they were <laughs> they were saying like, oh, that's, so, "That's cool, cool." We got Rami gave us feedback on our game uh, in in this other conference a couple of months ago, and now we have you. So we got two out of three Habibis. <laughs> now we need to get the yeah. third. <laughs> I was actually on two podcasts that had both me and Rami as guests, and they said, now we're missing Fozzy. So. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I have a friend who me. has met me and Osama, but doesn't have the Fozzy yet. <laughs> it's like a Habibi should Pokemon make, like, Go happening. Where the Pokemon? Yeah, should, we make like a, <laughs> should we make a stamp card or something? <laughs> All of us just carry a Habibi stamp, and if we meet somebody, we stamp it. <laughs> if you it. get the three stamps, you earn a voucher for good Arab tea. <laughs> you get, you get, yeah, you get one, you get one, fr- one free busbusa. They, they actually each have like one third of the logo of the Habibis. If you stamp them together, right. it's the full logo. <laughs> you get the full logo. <laughs> I love it. The paper explodes. <laughs> yeah, that seems that seems a little rough for three Arabs. Let's not do that one. I have enough trouble getting into the United States as is. Let's retract that. Yeah, let's let's, let's not do that. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with the logo or the T. Yani, T. T. Very T. Uh, uh, and the T even is not that hot. <laughs> no, Luke, Luke, lukewarm Luke tea. <laughs> Agent for uh, TSA purposes. Yeah, what's, uh, what's our agent? Frank, An- Frank Anderson Smith. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We, haven't, we haven't spoken to Frank, Frank directly in a sorry. while, Agent Frank. Yeah, sorry, Frank. Agent Smith. Listen, Fauzi was joking. Yeah, I was joking. <laughs> he meant exploding as in like it's folded really nicely, and then when you unfold it, it's like very elegant. That's what he meant. Exploding like as an explosive personality, you know, that that kind yeah, of. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Frank. Like if Fauzi says he has an explosive personality, please take it up with him. <laughs> I'm good. Yep. Just, I'm I'm a very calm. I'm a very non-explosive personality. Yeah. For the record, my, my personality doesn't even tick or anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, assalamualaikum. We have a lot to talk about uh, because it's been a while since it's been all of us, which means there's just certain topics that don't come up. Like if I'm not there, destiny and airplanes don't come up. <laughs> That's true. You know, if I'm not uh, there, baseball caps don't come up. Yeah, and if Fauzi is not there, then other things don't come up. I actually don't know what doesn't come <laughs> but, up. If there. Yeah, Fauzi, what's your thing? What is your thing? I don't know if it's not planes. I'm not sure now. Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> maybe it's like maybe it's like maybe it's like uh, you know like a, a little more. Um, Expert look at movies. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And TV. Okay. That's yeah, it. For sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like that. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Oh, right, we made a list before this episode of what we're gonna try to 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 talk about. We can't fit it in one I'm, episode though, but we're gonna try. So I'm just gonna read the list and see how far we get. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. All right. We have Weird West, Moon Knight, Aegis Rim for the Switch, Kirby Forgotten Something. Old Enough, The Bridgerton, Destiny 2, Elder Ring New Game Plus, Flight Class, and Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, and Aid. That's a lot. That's a lot. Shall we, shall we just get started? Yeah, go for it. 
Okay. We well, about? I didn't watch Weird West, so. Oh, I played Weird West. It's a game. Oh yeah, sorry. It's yeah, sorry. Game. I didn't play Weird West. Yeah. Yeah, I played. Sorry, a I, bit of Weird West. My brain did like the weird, the the Wild Wild West uh. instead. <laughs> I don't know why that happened, that's but that's enough. totally what happened. Yeah, it's close enough. Oh, well, I haven't yeah. watched yeah, it Weird West. in years. I played it last <laughs> week, I think, and uh, I was talking about it, and t- sounds like Osama picked it up. Did you finish it? I came close. I haven't okay. finished it yet. I, I think I feel I'm about halfway through. I, I don't. I, uh-huh. I don't know for sure, but that it feels like the. Uh, about at that point and um okay so what it is in in short it's a um it's a like twin stick shooter kind of with rpg elements based in the west like you know like a western but with you know some paranormal like elements there are witches there are demons there are uh other creatures like that that's that's the 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 gist of it did i miss anything no that's about right right? it's like um commandos with twin stick combat exactly um Mm -hmm. so i'm enjoying it actually it it took me by by surprise uh the main things that i like about it is that it feels like i can do anything like the okay how do i explain that so there are there was a quest giver uh, who ba- gave me a, a quest, a quest line. And he's like, go do this there. And they had the item on them that I needed and they would give me something in return if I completed that quest. Um, however, I didn't want to do the thing because the thing didn't vibe with me, right? It was kind of an evil thing. So I just shot him. And then everyone in, in the town attacked me. So I killed everyone in the town. And got the item off his corpse because I'm like, this is a bad dude and I'm not going to hurt the other people. And then everywhere I go, people are mentioning that I killed everybody in that town or that killed that person. It just happened. Mm-hmm. Like it just allows for and 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 reminds you of your, your the actions that you do. And it didn't feel like that's what, like it, there was no dialogue option of attack this person. It was just a choice I made to see what would happen, fully expecting it to force me to reload or for the person to be invulnerable. And I've had other moments like that in the game where my choices are reflected in the game. I know this isn't unique, but for a game made by such a like a relatively small team, I this I was I didn't expect it. And it was done pretty elegantly. Um, the other thing, which is a callback to what Fozzy said from before, the combat is both good and clunky. Um, one thing that it's missing is some kind of auto lock feature. Not 100%, but just, you know, the, the smoothing that happens when you're close to uh, shooting a target, that's missing completely. So what it forces you to do is to be extremely precise with your analog movement because uh, it almost feels like some things that should have hit don't. Like the collision boxes are just a tad too small where I'm like, well, that in almost any other game similar to this, they would have counted that as a hit. But because it was a pixel to the left, it wasn't in this case. And it feels like a deliberate choice, from, but it also doesn't feel good when you're playing it. I don't know if you agree, Fozzie, but that's... Yeah, that's- I agree. It's partially what I was talking about last time. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the combat is competent, but it feels so... Uh, it feels clunky at sometimes. Aiming is a bit difficult yeah. at that. And like uh, they've added a lot of mechanics that slow down time to help you out with your combat. Yes. Like, you know, when you jump in the air, it turns it like in a Max Payne style. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the time is kind of slower and all of that. And there's items that you can take that kind of like, uh, or upgrades that you can enable to allow you to do that a bit more when you need that. Because normally it's not as precise as you would want the twin stick shooter to be. Yeah. I really like the stealth gameplay, though. I'm, I'm enjoying that yeah, a lot. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It always goes bad. Uh, like at some point. <laughs> so that, that, that was also kind of what I was talking about last time. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's the ever-evolving issue in stealth games is that once you're caught, everything goes badly. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> it then, almost... Like, it's kind of like, hard to get it back. It's true, but it's almost like that's how I approach combat in this game now. It's like, how many can I take out mm-hmm. before I'm discovered? I did the same thing with, uh, I, I don't know if either of you played Payday or Payday 2. So yeah, Payday some missions, yeah. yeah, some missions in Payday are meant to be completely stealth and others are meant to be completely loud. But the, the mm-hmm. ones I like the most are the ones where you start off in stealth 
and then at some point you can go loud. So you feel good if you're able to complete the whole thing and stuff, but that's unlikely. Most likely yeah. at some point it gets loud and then now you have an easier time because you you know you thinned out. That's how I'm approaching pretty much every scenario in, in uh, Weird West and I'm enjoying it that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think there are some games that really uh, pull it off nicely when when things go from stealth to action, then back to stealth. Like I think that the the Deus Ex games really does that super well. Mark of the Ninja which, like, also you, you, did that you, well. What's that? Sorry. Mark of the Ninja also did that really well. Oh, Mark of the Ninja as well. Like you know, like these kinds of games, mm-hmm. kind of like uh, you you still feel like a badass even coming out of stealth into action, then back into stealth. Uh, the yeah. Phantom Pain even did that uh, pretty well, I thought. Um, but the the in this game and some others like you know even like commandos when when the alarm is set it's kind of it's hard not to feel that you failed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I um, I think for the majority of the first half of the game, I was reloading every time. Like you yeah. know, do yeah. a couple of steps and reload. Re- do a couple of steps and reload because I hated the feeling of like I failed, so to yeah. say. Yeah. Though I know that the game can like I could just from the beginning just come in and shoot everybody. And the yeah. game totally allows for it, but it just feels wrong. I get you. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't have that same feeling in this game, but I, I, I do see why you would. If that's if your goal is to finish something in stealth, then the game kind of sets you up to fail in many situations, unless you reload, then I could see that. Um, overall, but, I'm really enjoying it. But it's a like, lot of fun, generally. Yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot, and I'm hoping to finish it over this week. We'll see. You know, schedule permitting, it is Eid after all uh, in a couple of <laughs> right. days. That's going to take over the schedule a bit, so it might take me longer. Uh, this is assuming I'm halfway through. I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I mean, it's on my it's on my radar now, so I'll I'll give it a go. Go for it. Cool. It's okay. on Game Pass, you know, Rami. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we really need to get that Microsoft money. Uh, An official sponsor. <laughs> Right. Um, okay, uh, let's uh, actually. I think there's there's one really interesting hop that I kind of want to make then, because you were talking about the collisions being a little weird and sometimes things that feel like they should hit don't hit. Mm-hmm. Kirby does the opposite. Hmm. <laughs> Kirby does uh, sometimes things that physically don't hit do hit because it looks like they should hit. Hmm. And it's a very interesting system because it kind of means you can cheat a little at Kirby. Huh. So it's Kirby Forgotten World, Forgotten Land, Forgotten, forgotten Land, yeah. Forgotten Land. I keep referring um, to every new Kirby as the new Kirby game. The new Kirby <laughs> game. This is a very new Kirby game, though. This is what inspired the new 3DS as a name, I think, eventually. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, this Kirby is 3D. Yes, it is indeed. This Kirby is very 3D, and it is a good Kirby in 3D. Uh, I like it I a lot. It, I'm really enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, I'm really loving it. How far in are you? I'm at the end of the snow world, so I think I'm pretty, oh, nice. pretty yeah, close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're getting there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just really good. Yeah. Uh, I was I was kind of shocked, but it's like it has all the, the sort of like zaniness and uh, whimsical nature and... It still feels like a Kirby game in that most things you can kind of fly over. Yeah. But then every now and then you have to go pretty hardcore. There's a limit on how high you can fly. So like you're you're limited by like almost I think the highest platform of that particular section. Yep. So that you can't just fly over everything and finish the game. But you can still kind of fly over everything and finish the game. It's in a very Kirby-like way, yes. But yeah. Kirby gets tired. Um, you can't like uh, yeah. the stamina runs out, and like you have to, um, yeah, you have to like land on something and fly up again. Yep. And like I said, like there's a little bit to the height compared to yeah. uh, the platform that you start to jump or fly from, and the yeah. highest platform on that section, I think. But, I mean, effectively, it still means that most things you can just kind of pass over if you don't want to deal with them. <laughs> yeah. uh, which I think is really important for a Kirby game. And I was kind of worried that they would do away with that. Mm. But I think one thing I really like about Kirby is that everything you get into feels like you choose to get into it. Yeah. And that's just always been a thing that I loved about Kirby. It's like, oh, I don't want to deal with these two enemies. Okay, let's just go past them. Yeah, um, it's, it's so cool that, you know, like uh, in Kirby games, and this one in particular... 
they pick up a mechanic, one that you can build an entire game around, and then they like they use it for a sm- for a section of the game, and right. then they move on. Like uh, remember the, a- the light bulb. Yeah, it's, the light bulb was exactly the example I uh, I'm yeah. gonna give. So like for uh, for Osama and the other people listening, at some point you can swallow a light bulb. <laughs> so Kirby <laughs> becomes a light bulb basically. Mm. Uh, so like you become this giant pink light bulb. And you move around in the dark and you can press a button to illuminate. Hmm. And, you know, it's, it's the light and dark kind of puzzle okay. platformer. Mm-hmm. Like that, uh, we probably played a bunch of those games. Mm-hmm. Full right. game around that concept. And it's just a tiny section of this Kirby game. Yeah. <laughs> Literally goes for like five minutes and then they're like, yeah, you're done. Wow. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. Yep. You, can, you can build the entire game around that. It's like, here's this tiny little section. Now we're going right. to think of all sorts of other things that Kirby could just swallow and turn into and build like, you know, mechanical sections of that in that level. And you know, what's cool about that that part is that I'm I'm playing the entire game uh, couch co-op. Yeah, I did the Lampard co-op as well, and it was so good. That's yeah. so much fun, you know, like illuminating the part, the so part for your partner to kind of move around, and you're like, you know, stop here, move here, something like that. It's uh, yep. really yep. fun. No, such a good, and it's beautiful, by the way. Gorgeous. What a pretty game. Okay, you're yeah. like you're bumping it a higher on my my backlog is ridiculous. I'm never going to get to it at all, and Kirby has right. been on it, but you're bumping it higher now because we're me and my daughter who've been playing It Takes Two for a long time now. It's a long game, mm-hmm. by the way, and mm-hmm. you know she's young, so her attention span is short. So we play like in thirty minute intervals every weekend or something right. like that. But we're like, I had to look it up because I'm like, we must be almost done now, uh, and we we were at uh, mission eight of ten. So we are actually okay. almost done now, and we're looking for the next co op. Like before this, we played Untitled Goose Game in co op, which was amazing, <laughs> and, and I think Kirby's going to be our, our next co op game that we're going to play together. Yeah, I was thinking about that actually, Osama. I think you would really enjoy playing this game with one of your kids. Like, yeah. um, it's yeah. it's perfect for them. If if we yeah. do, I'm definitely not going to end up being Kirby because that's how it works. <laughs> they always take the character that's on the box, but it's fine. It's going to be a lot of fun either way. Yeah, it depends because like yeah. the second player is kind of associated with Kirby, so I think that's why this is why like I think so super smart of Nintendo and the design games for kids as well. Because the second character is designed so that it doesn't get in Kirby's way, so to say. So, like, uh, the mm-hmm. camera and everything is centered around Kirby. And mm-hmm. the other character always kind of, like, uh, teleports back into mm-hmm. Kirby. Mm-hmm. So even if you fall off the screen or die or, like, they don't know what they're going or they can't do a particularly difficult platforming section, then, like, the, the Kirby player can kind of Sherpa the other player around. You've never seen my daughter play video games. She's really good. Like really, awesome. really good, uh, awesome. yeah. Like if anything, so maybe you're not, you're going to be the one that needs the sherpa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did beat Elden Ring, so I'm not terrible myself. <laughs> you beat Elden well, Ring, but this is Kirby. This yeah. is a totally different level. <laughs> I mean, Kirby is the most hardcore video game character of all time. Like, let's be honest. Like, I, I've made this argument many times, but I think Kirby is the most powerful video game character of all time. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Because you can like, eat any Master other character Chief, and take their power. Not a big deal. <laughs> Elder Ring bosses takes five seconds. <laughs> like, the, there's nothing that can't be beaten by Kirby. <laughs> Kirby is like the eldritch nightmare of video oh game characters. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Genuinely, I want to see a photorealistic depiction of Kirby now. <laughs> or, or, is, uh, can you imagine fighting Kirby and it's just like in three seconds everything is dark and you're gone? Some of us, the gritty reboot of Kirby. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the Kirby Noir detective story is down as his luck. The 90s comic book reboot. Every <laughs> <laughs> time With Kirby sucks up something, yeah. <laughs> Every time Kirby sucks up something, just spits out a bunch of bones. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Fatality. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You've ruined Kirby for all our listeners. Way to go. <laughs> I mean, Kirby is terrifying. It is, it is terrifying. <laughs> We're Speaking lucky. of sherping. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ooh, I like it. I was sherping some people in Destiny 2 the other day. Ooh, I like Ooh. it. I finally managed to play the new raid a bit properly. I still didn't complete that raid because it's it's really hard 
Excellent but, segment, uh, by the way. Yes, we, yes, it we is had to call it out. I was waiting for you. It is very good. It's, it just shows, once again, that Bungie has such a good grasp of communication as game design. Mm-hmm. Like, like inter-team communication as part of their game design. Like, everything you do is too much to discuss everything mm-hmm. in the time that you have. So you really need to get good at figuring out what you need to communicate, when you need to communicate, who needs to talk, when it needs to be communicated. And this uh, this first fight of the new raid is just, again, a masterclass in, in making engaging, complicated things that are fun to play with a group of six. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so much harder than it sounds, right? It sounds hard enough, so... <laughs> right. Um but yeah, it's a beautiful encounter. I, I really, really, really love it. Um, it's a beautiful sort of airy, dark museum. A museum of like the darkness. Um, and it, it's just a, it's one of those destiny fights where you split the group of six into three groups of two. And then each of them do the same thing. But as more of, of the groups are doing the same thing, the communication gets messier and messier. Mm-hmm. And at the end, everybody needs to communicate. So they build it up really well. Um, everybody has a task. Everybody can stay focused. Everybody needs to figure out when to do what. Uh, it, it's just it's a beautiful chaos. And when you get it, you really feel like a team. And that's really my favorite feeling about Destiny Raids. So uh, very what, excited. What's it that. called this time? Is it? Uh, it's not a. It's not a horse. It's something else. <laughs> no, no, I'm wearing a horse T-shirt. Okay, <laughs> but the uh, it's actually the Star Horse from Destiny. But uh, no, the the raid is called Vow of the Disciple, and you enter one of the dark pyramids uh, that are sort of like the enemy capital ships. It sounds like, or the enemy like big ships, and uh, they're places in which the darkness sort of has taken hold of reality as well. So. Everything is dark and spooky and terrifying, and uh, but it's also very clean and orderly, which is, I think that's sort of what the darkness is in Destiny. It's like order, right? It's a lack of entropy. It's 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 patterns that are like clean and fractal, while light is more chaotic and uh, less predictable, more more round shapes. You know, like mm-hmm. they have this this language for both. Uh, for both sides of that coin so it's very stark it's very brutalist it's very like hard lines harsh corners uh but still like a clearly an aesthetic right like not like uh it's it's lines like this is it's not a ugly place it's just not our place i think that's what bungie is kind of staring at that everything is a little more gray than black and white which remains an exciting direction for the story interesting how long how long does uh, Destiny raids uh, last uh, nowadays? I mean, if you know the raid, you can. Some of the raids you're done in like forty five minutes. Oh, that's okay. still long. Yeah. But it's still long. If yeah. if it used you to be longer than I think, know. like back at Destiny one and early Destiny two. Well, it also depends on how good you are, right? Because if you yeah. bring a team and one of the people is new, it goes from forty five minutes to three hours. Yeah. yeah. Because you're right. failing a few and if, times and you have to like... Yeah. And if you are all new, like, I mean, I've played this raid twice for six hours and both times we only beat the first encounter. Mm-hmm. Wow. Out of what is probably three encounters on average. Wow. So, uh, you know, it's it's not... Uh, raids are... They're, they're intense. They're big commitments. Uh, but they're fun. They're like as long as mm-hmm. a game. <laughs> a short yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. But they're very fun because you're with friends. Yes. Now that I've had an opportunity to talk about Destiny, I feel it's time for Osama to talk about New Game Plus of Elden Ring. So, New Game Plus? Oh, Elden Ring, of course. So, okay. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it took me a second. I'm like, I didn't play Destiny New Game Plus. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think Elden Ring is kind of becoming um, an evergreen game for me a little bit in the similar way that uh, Breath of the Wild was. So when I beat... Breath of the Wild, um, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but when you beat Breath of the Wild, it it kind of reloads the last save before the last boss, right? So you can get to continue from that point on. 
Uh, and what I ended up doing is I, when I had enough strength to beat uh, Ganon or Ganondorf, I forget what he's called in that game, um, I just like kept exploring and kept seeing new things. And there was enough in there until I was satisfied that I've turned every rock in, in, in the game. It was an in-between game. I just finished a game. I'll pick up Breath of the Wild for a bit, go back in the world, immerse myself in it. And then, you know, continue when I'm when I'm after a couple of hours of doing that, I'll jump into the next game. I didn't expect Elden Ring to do the same thing to me, but it did. So when I jumped into New Game Plus, I just wanted to see how far I could go uh, to beat the the bosses before I hit a wall. And I didn't have any interest in in getting stuck on a wall. Uh, but now, like it's been a, uh, maybe a week, two weeks since I beat it. I've hopped in for one or two hours uh, at a time. Uh, a, a few times, and each time I'm discovering new things. This thing shocked me. So there's a main character in the game, uh, NPC, who I was part of a, a like the end part of a quest, uh, and I thought that was the purpose of that character, and then part of another quest that I completed in my first playthrough. And I encountered this character early in my new game plus this time, and he basically put me on a new quest that I didn't even know existed and I'm following it and it's elaborate and it's taking me through different parts of the game and I'm kind of shocked because without giving up up any information of who this person is that person dies in in, in the later quest in my first playthrough so basically it means based on the sequences of when you encounter them there are quests that you just don't have access to because you just missed it at one point and you know the npc died which is not very common in open world games you know most open world mm-hmm. games the side quests are like separate you don't want missable content so they're separate from the main storyline and there's not much you could do that will close them off like i i know there are exceptions but there are exceptions right yeah in elden ring it's starting to feel like it's designed so that you play it again and go yeah. through different hoops uh, and try different things. I was about to say that. I think the the game is designed with New Game Plus in mind or New Game, just like, you know, trying out different characters and builds. Yeah. And also making sure that you encounter something new. Well, not every time, but almost. Almost. Yeah. You know? I'm I'm seeing complete dungeons that I've never played before with really interesting mechanics. I'm seeing towns that I've that I've never encountered. There was like a really weird moment where I saw a boss that kind of felt like Sauron from Lord of the Rings and, mm-hmm. or like this moment, I, I, I should say, that I didn't experience in the first game at all, only because I, I, I kind of went a little bit to the left on, on the map. I'm like, huh, I don't think I went this way. And it was a really like cinematic moment, if I, if I can say that. It was like a really, you know, uh, memorable moment. And I had missed it the first time. Uh, I'm I'm shocked by how much they crammed into this game. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. It's shocking. Uh, and I feel like I'm playing easy mode, the easy mode I've always wanted, because New Game Plus <laughs> is is so far so much easier, so much easier. I don't know if it'll keep up until you get to the end game, but like I'm maybe a quarter of the way through of like of the game already, or maybe a third, something between that which took me a fraction of the time because I'm not hitting myself against any walls. I'm just every, every encounter I beat on my first try, that kind of, that kind of thing. Uh, I still have to try because the way it's set up is if you don't try, you will die. Right. But now I have the, the, the muscle memory for m- many of the boss fights and the tools that I need. And I don't have to be as perfect. Right. I could take three, four hits instead of one hit, like in my first playthrough in certain, in certain encounters, right. In the hardest encounters. So that's a lot of forgiveness. Take two, three hits, go heal, come back, and you're you're good to go again, right? So uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I'm probably going to pick it up and drop it every once in a while, like I did with Breath of the Wild and other games similar to it. Nice. But uh, it's going to be very hard, I think, for a game to top this as my game of the year. I know it's, it's just, well, as, as this airs, it's May, uh, which we're not even halfway through the year, but this is, it's been something else of an experience it's a landmark video game i think for the past yeah. i don't know years not just months so yeah it'll agreed. be hard for any game to top it agreed for sure for sure yeah okay <laughs> nice 
Oh, yeah. Speaking of our games of the year, I, th- I think uh, Rami was playing one we talked about a lot uh, on this podcast at some point. Yeah, uh, I I replayed Aegis Rim, uh, but this time on the Nintendo Switch. What a game! Uh, yeah, what a game! It uh, so I thought maybe it won't work as well if you know the twists and the plot. Works just as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it, in some ways, it works better because you now know what the characters are going to be facing, and you can see the build up towards those things. Mm. Um, but also because the narrative is so non-linear that you just uh, arrive at the same things in different ways. So there were plot twists that I now learned of in ways that were different than the first time I played them because, because the first time I played it. Just because I follow different characters first instead of other characters, um, and I will admit, it, th- this game was one of the best games of the year in 2020 or 2019 when it originally came out on the PS4. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure it came out 2020 because it came out while we were recording this podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 2020 then. Um, when it came out on the PlayStation, it was uh, just an incredible game. Now that it's on the Switch, it's somehow even better. Hmm. It feels extremely at home on the Switch. Performance feels better, which is wild. Um, they've removed one or two like cheese strategies that just really simplified the strategy uh, part of the game. Um, and that now feels more like a game too. So it's just, uh, you know, it's like the game of the year edition of Aegis Rim. Um, I 100%ed it again, because uh, <laughs> you just don't, you, you're not going to not 100% it. That would be bonkers for a game like this. Um, and yeah, love the characters, love the world. Sad that I'm done. Uh, what a wonderful, strange, special, un, unrecreatable video game that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I really need I to go back to it. Same team. I don't even think that same team could make that same game. <laughs> wow, that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very special. I I regret falling off it. Uh, I was enjoying it, and different things came out, and I put it aside, and then it became harder and harder to go back. And now, I want to go back. I'm I'm like halfway through the game, but I want to go back. So you're at the start. Because. <laughs> <laughs> You've forgotten everything. Well, the only reason I, I think I'm halfway through is because I said it, it, I've been playing it for like 12 or 15 hours, something like that. And you, you right. said that's that's about halfway through. That's the only reason. Yeah, I that's that. why I, I took 33 hours yeah. on the playthrough. I haven't forgotten everything. Uh, I think I, I don't remember any character names, though. But I'm usually pretty bad at remembering character names anyway. Right. But like now, not uh, at all. But I remember the characters unless, themselves and some of the scenes. Unless when you see them, you remember like their story, yeah. you should just restart the game. I might, honestly. I might do that. It's... Okay, it's back. It's in one my of those things that I think, like um, you know, before you pick it up, go like, I want to dedicate thirty hours to this game over the next couple of weeks and play nothing else and just focus <laughs> on yeah. finishing it because the story just um, goes into so many twists and turns. It'll be really hard to keep keep up of what's going on everywhere at the same time. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Everyone says yeah, such a... good things about it that I feel like it's worth that investment. So I might just start it's over. Great. Yeah. I can I can recommend that I can really recommend it. Um, speaking of remakes, um, I am also playing the new Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. <laughs> Do you like it? I it's Stanley Parable. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a game you like. It's yeah, but it's an experience that you enjoy. I mean, it's also not really an experience and enjoy. Really? I I think the Stanley Parable is mostly like. The way I always explain the Stanley Parable is, you know, you play video games and the Stanley Parable plays you. <laughs> right. And and that's really what the Stanley Parable is. Like, I, I kind of know what happens in the Stanley Parable and I, I know how it works and I know what it does. Mm-hmm. And I, I know most of the endings and uh, I am still mortified by the baby going towards the fire minigame. Um <laughs> which takes four hours and has a crying baby continuously and then has a giant air horn going off every time you press the button that resets the baby away from the fire. Oh, my God. And it is an exploration of the pressures of family life. Yep. The art world will really love it, apparently. <laughs> um, 
They've also added some extra content, including a jump circle in which you can jump in the Stanley Parable. Oh. Um, which is great because there was originally an achievement that said you can't jump, but for the expansion, they added one small circle in a giant empty room in which you can jump. <laughs> so, you know, that's nice. Really new features there. Um, but yeah, no, it's exactly what you would expect from a Stanley Parable expansion. There is new content. It is as self-deprecating, self-deferential, self um self-aware as the original uh, as the original content was mm -hmm. it is still a good game it's nice to have it on the switch or on the playstation or other platforms um if you feel like weird sense a weird sense of nihilism then uh yeah absolutely it is it is still the stanley bearable you know you laugh a lot but also you spend a lot of time going like oh my god mm -hmm. it's it's the trolliest game I've ever played. It trolls yeah. you like crazy. But, yep. I mean, I, I loved the original Stanley Parable. And as someone who, in general, doesn't like walking simulators, like, that is... Uh, I keep saying that, but there are a few that are exceptional, so, so exceptional that I absolutely love them. Uh, Stanley Parable was the first one that I, I fell in mm. love with. And uh, you're right. It's not fun in the traditional sense, but it, it's it's engaging and yeah. it makes you think. Yeah. So, like in that sense, I really enjoyed I the experience, even the parts yeah. that were difficult. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it is still very good, and the new content is like it is. Really, you know, you spend a lot of time laughing, groaning, rolling your eyes. Yeah. So it it is very up to up to the Stanley Parables level, which uh, yeah, it was it was good to be back in that for a bit. You know, something I wanted to uh, mention is that. Um, I don't know why, but I see a lot of Stanley Parable in student projects. So I'm not mm -hmm. sure if that's your experience, yeah. but it seems that, um, you know, like uh, as students start to make uh, games themselves, they start to make commentary on video game making in their games. So like yes. uh, yep. almost immediately, like second or third game projects, they start to like have, uh, you know, either uh, comedic or, or conversational or a take, let's say. But almost generally, they start they immediately start using video games as a communication medium about video game making themselves, and that almost yep. always reminds me of Stanley Parable and these kinds of games. And I'm not sure, like, uh, if if they're connected, um, mm. as in, like, you know, the students played Stanley Parable uh, as they were younger, then went into game development, and that started showing into their game, or that by making video games, and you think, and you just st stop for a second and think about what you're doing you'll uh, inevitably make a Stanley Parable-like game <laughs> because right. of like, know. you know, like just like you, once you see the Matrix, it's kind of hard not to talk about it. But yeah. it's um, right. it's an interesting connection, I think. I don't know if you guys have seen the same working with students or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. But I also think it's it's not just the Stanley Parable. There's There's been sort of a, a tradition or, or an increased tradition of doing that, right? So um, back in the days, you had uh, Don't Cut the Rope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, and then Stanley Parable, and then we had Near Automata, yeah. which also sort of is a criticism of video game. Mm. Um, There's uh, also that, that game that gave you different mechanics as part of DLC. What was it called? DLC Quest or something like that? I forget what right. it was called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Spec Ops uh, the Line to some extent made the yeah, commentary. Spec Ops the Line. Yeah. Yep. So I feel like it's just more common, and it's it's more in the public awareness that it's a thing you can do. Mm -hmm. And it's also something that feels easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? It feels easy to do. It is incredibly hard to pull it off. Mm -hmm. But you look at it and you're like, well, you know, we'll just add a narrator that makes a joke about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think to a lot of students, that feels like an easy win. Mm -hmm. And it never is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. I always find it fascinating. I think it's also yeah. because, I, I agree with, with both of you. I think uh, also what it is, is that, they're learning about games, so that's fresh in their minds. So all those mm. like the, those concepts and words are just there, and that's the most recent reference that they have when they're making their games. Um, and mm. so they they pull from like they pull from that to make their games because I, I have had the same experience. And it's usually you're right; it's usually not the first or second games. 
um, the first and second game they make, I'm usually fighting with them not to make their dream game, and like you know, <laughs> that that's usually the the struggle. It's Trying like, to no, make no, no. the RPG or yes. like their, no their dream platformer, yes. yeah. and sometimes I still <laughs> or fail. Diablo like game. Yes, yep. yes, absolutely. And sometimes I still fail. They still try. They're, they're, sometimes, usually, <laughs> still fail. They're still over ambitious for the first game, but it's a valuable lesson. But then, sure. when they they learn that, the next thing is what what's their most recent reference. And in our right. cases, it's tons and tons of you know game design theory. So I think it's natural that that seeps into their games now. Yeah. Fair. And also, like, you know, first person, um, you don't need uh, a lot of character animation if you yeah. don't have to jam-pack that into the game. Yep. And narration is something that you could record on yourself. Like, there's yeah. a lot of the tools that Stanley Parable used to tell its narrative that is just uh, yeah. easier to obtain for, like, uh, young developers or people that are just starting out. And then that influences the game they're making. Yeah. So whether yep. they intend to or not, it kind of comes out as an homage to Stanley Parable anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just Speaking because of, of the tools they use, that's very much the, the same. Oh, I'm hearing an Osama oh, oh. segue coming. <laughs> There's a segue coming. It There's wasn't a segue. segue. It sounded like what <laughs> Allah was going to say. Speaking of homage, I often find myself in the games of my students. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm often an NPC or a character or something along nice. those lines. Uh, I think it's because they to get extra credit. Are you? Are you? <laughs> it's not always you, flattering, so no. <laughs> but is it, is it? Is it flattering sometimes? It, yes, like, it uh, is flattering sometimes. Yeah. Are you like super strong or something? I, if I remember, I think the reason the first game that it ever happened in was a horror game. Uh, it was a board game, like a horror game, where the um, the antagonist had like five heads and it was the five teachers of the program and that was one of the heads (laughs) so i think that if i remember correctly that was the first time the teachers had a a ball like we were cracking up and laughing and that set the tone going forward where we would be represented in different games so yeah not exactly a segue (laughs) so yeah speaking of osama as an avatar did you all uh, watch uh watch moon knight yes and i loved it okay so I almost accidentally spoiled it on a previous um, on a previous podcast because right. Mm-hmm. By the time this comes out, episode six, the final episode should be out. Yes. So I think we can speak up to episode five. Yes, I haven't seen any of it yet. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I have a lot to yeah. catch up on. You should. I was watching I other stuff. It's yeah. coming up next. <laughs> Finally, a TV series with our people in it, and you go like, ah, oh, let's watch them. <laughs> I want to watch everything. I want to watch everything at the same time. I don't want to do the yes. one one episode a week thing. That's fair. Uh, That's okay, Tamam. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, let's just say Moon Knight is good then. Yes, and we'll talk about it when Fauzi's caught up. When Fauzi's caught up, yeah, I'll caught up. I'll but inshallah, next week. The only inshallah. next week is episode six. <laughs> the only thing I want I want to say before we wrap up Moon Knight is it's so incredible how they're able to tie all the loose ends from all the different realities of the comics into one TV show. It's masterful. Like it's something that would have been difficult to attempt and they didn't just attempt it, but so far, you know, I'll reserve judgment until last episode, but so far they're pulling it off magnificently. Fauzi, close your ears for a second. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll click the little hand thing when you can listen again. Um, Osama, uh, just for ev- and for everybody listening, if you don't want spoilers, same thing. Where do you think this is going? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know? You have a. I have no I idea. I have no idea. I just don't know. That is brilliant. How are they going to wrap it, it up in one episode? That's the. Big I question. have no idea. Either the you know it's hard to say which side they're going to lean into. Yeah. yeah. That that's and really I think the question. That's the beauty of it. Is both right. could be the reality. Yeah. No, I mean more than both. Yeah. At this point, there's like three or four different realities that could be true. That's true. That's true. Which is bonkers. Yes. It's uh, incredible. Really well done. Like all they have to do for the final episode is pick one. Yeah. yeah. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> so it could be yeah. a huge bait and switch. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's really good. So good. It's really good. Plus, I just really like ending with a lot of Egyptian music most episodes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is beautiful. The highlight. Makes me very sure. happy. <laughs> It makes me very happy. <laughs> All right, let me let me get Fauzi back All in right, here. Let's do it. Yeah, Fauzi, welcome back. Okay, welcome we back. We said nothing. <laughs> we, we were just quiet for the full thirty seconds. We just said like, "Wow, isn't it calm here?" Speaking of TV shows, 
<laughs> nice. Oh, oh, I like it. I watched. Uh, uh, I want to talk about the show because it's not like the typical TV shows I usually watch. Uh, this show is okay. called Old Enough on mm-hmm. Netflix. It's a Japanese show. The translation is. Uh, I don't think it does the does the Japanese title justice. It translates into uh, my first errand, mm. and it's. Uh, it, it's classified into like the Japanese variety show category, but it's I think the closest thing to it would be reality TV, except it's not uh, scripted for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, they choose kids, like a, a two or three year old kid, and then like their mom or dad, they ask them to do their first errand, which is like usually like the kid will have to go to um, the supermarket, pick up some stuff, then go to the uh, to the other store, pick up some more stuff, then go back. Um, to their to their parents on their own, mm-hmm. and the kid is just being accompanied by a film crew, like lots of camera camera people, like <laughs> running after the kid basically and filming oh, wow. what they're doing. And it's just yeah. so wholesome. It's uh, ten minutes an episode. Hmm. It's an old show, by the way. I think like it used to air in Japan in in the early nineties, like nineteen ninety one or something like that. So like a lot of these kids are now <laughs> like you know people in their 30s. Yeah. Well, but it's, that, it's that was my generation, right? My generation I used to go out to the corner store when I was really young and I used to buy yeah. things from it, it was very different. Now people are a lot more protective like protective of the kids for a lot of reasons. I yeah. Guess. Yeah, it's but these kids are also like very young. Some like they're, they're even younger than the age in which we used to go and run errands. Like I think oh, when yeah. I was five or six, my mom used to send me out to buy stuff. Exactly. Uh, but uh, these kids are like two and three. What? You know? Like they're what? Very, they, they, yeah, they like can barely walk. Okay, and, that is. Uh, I would have a lot of anxiety watching that, even knowing there's a <laughs> film crew on hand. Wow, it's 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 oftentimes it's a small town in like rural Japan, and like it's not only the film crew; it's like the entire town is kind of cheering on for the kid to go on and yeah. do the thing. Yeah, uh, that's so cute. It's it's so cute and wholesome. Like I, like uh, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't stop myself from just mentioning it. It's like if you want like a ten minutes of like a wholesome show to watch in yeah. the middle of like a lot of like I know I've been talking a lot about drama and gangsters. In yeah. my in my Sahur bites, this yeah. is just something completely different and a very nice I mean, uh, palate cleanser, I guess. I'm just really laughing because the first article I found about it is called "Old Enough: The Japanese TV Show That Abandons Toddlers on Public Transport." <laughs> uh, you know, what, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it a Sounds try. wholesome I'll, I'll to it. me. <laughs> yep. it's okay. a lot more wholesome than that description. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of TV shows that are not typically ones that we would watch. Oh, nice! Yeah, I wow. am segway. watching. <laughs> it's a segue to a segue. So um, I'm watching Br- Bridgerton, which is not a thing I would have ever expected to 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 like. But I heard rave reviews about it and had to try it. So what it is, it's a Regency era um, like drama focused on London high society. So, you know, like kings and queens and duchess and like uh, dukes and things like that with like high tea time and galas and like all that extravagant stuff. Um, I saw a lot of people saying really good things about it. And I was curious. I thought it would be one of those shows where I'm like, I'll see if it's for me. I'll watch an episode or two. And I got hooked. But nothing about it is what I usually watch. It's not similar to anything that I've seen before. Uh, The drama is delicious. I'm absolutely loving it. And I'm hooked. I, I can't explain it. It's really, really, really good. And I would suggest anyone who would be curious about that. It's just the acting is superb and there are a lot of intense moments and it speaks to uh, the human condition and human motivation so much. It has a lot of traditionalism in there, but it's it's also a reimagining. Like I'm shocked by the level of diversity that they have in, in the show itself. So it's a, a breath of fresh air. Like it's not a, a, a period piece where you have to be subjugated again to the realities of like racism or things like that, which it's fair and the, there's a place for that. But sometimes you just want to not 
think about that. Not just not. Yeah. And this <laughs> lets you not think about that and imagine just nice. you know, races getting along and now it's a class thing instead. And that's that's fine. I could turn on that part of my brain and, and turn off the other one for a bit. So I'm absolutely like the, the season two, the main character is Indian and in, in, in Britain, and nobody is referencing it in a negative light at at all, at all. And it's so refreshing. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm loving it. I'm halfway through season two. Season three just came out and did not expect to like it, but I love it. Well, okay, cool. You know what happened a hundred years after that TV show? Wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean? A hundred years after that TV show, the Wright brothers did the first powered flight. <laughs> okay. Which uh, leads me to my <laughs> Oh my god, that was a segue a hundred years in the making. <laughs> I did not know where you were going with that. I love it. Thank you for going. I did flight class. Too smooth. Too smooth. This. Mm, just really, really beautiful there. In, uh, in aviation, we call smooth landing butter. Like a butter yeah. landing. And this was yeah. a butter segue. It was a butter segue. That's so smooth. That's the that title of our episode, butter segue. A butter segue. <laughs> Let me make a note. We're making that the butter segue. I'm going to find this in my notes like in three weeks and just be like, what? What is this, what is, what is this about? Um, so I've been continuing my flight classes. Um, and it's been a while since I caught you up on that. I don't, I don't remember when the last time we spoke about this. Um, I have spent a few weeks, the past few weeks, uh, landing at every uncontrolled airfield in the Netherlands. So I now only have one more missing. And uh, it's really fun. Different airports are really, really fun. They're very different. Some of them have, uh, you know, like hard runways. Some of them are just grass. Uh, some of them are like in towns and you have to fly over buildings to get there. Some of them are like in the middle of nowhere. Some of them are on like tiny islands. Mm. Uh, it's just been really fun just landing and getting to know the people at those airfields and the people running the tower and so excited. you know you have to go say I'm hi so and happy pay. For you that you're doing that it's incredible the one downside so far has been that obviously it was ramadan yeah when i did those exercises and usually those airports have a little restaurant where you can have a little bite oh. uh, so after this uh, after ramadan is over i'm gonna go and do those flights again mm -hmm. today was actually a really big day uh when we're recording this uh i did my third progress test which is three out of four wow and it's sort of like an in-progress examination of your flying. And uh, it was a wild one because you have to do all sorts of exercises, including stalling the plane, emergency landings, uh, simulated precautionary landings, uh, basically all sorts of stuff that can go wrong with the airplane. Mm -hmm. And you have to show control of the airplane. So straight and level flight, normal turns, steep turns, uh, circuits, descending, stuff like that. And the reason they teach you all of that is because after this part you will be allowed to fly on your own to other airfields that you've been to before mm. so from this point on i'm basically free to fly across the netherlands that's incredible um, wow so the next step uh, is the cross country mm. and that is a flight that has specific requirements you have to land at two different aerodromes and the one you took off from full stop landing so you actually have to stop the airplane turn it off pay for your landing go back to the airplane start it back up and continue flying mm -hmm. you have to go to at least two different airfields than the one you took off from and you have to fly at least 130 miles i think mm -hmm. um so i've decided that i'm going to do something silly you have to do at least two airfields Everybody does too. I'm going to try and hit every single one in the Netherlands. Uh, which is seven, I think. Uh, for my for my cross country. So I'm starting my preparation for that now. And uh, that would apparently be a record for the school. So That's incredible. I'm excited to try I'm that. I'm so proud of you. Amazing. I'm also... I mean, I have to, I have to do it yeah. before, you know, like... You can be proud of it, but <laughs> for now it's fun. I'm still proud of you that you got this far, but I'm also yeah. proud of all three of us. We got through every single topic that you mentioned. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> mm. It's incredible. Mm. We even mentioned we Eid did. briefly. So we, we did. Yeah, we mentioned our Eid. Yeah. 
Speak, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, hitting uh, hitting every topic, what what topics do our emails hit? Oh, oh, oh butter, butter segue. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start with one. <laughs> well, let's read some. <laughs> this is so smooth that it's bad again. It's great. <laughs> I love it. So I'm digging into some of their older emails that we haven't read. Mm, okay. So some of them will will feel like, you know, they should have been read before. So apologies for that. Um, but yeah, you know, we got busy and all that. So let's start with this one. The This one's by Jose, frequent writer, uh, frequent listener. We love you, Jose. Keep writing us. Uh, basically, it comes in two parts. The first part is more of a statement. As a non-Arab, non-Muslim listener, I have been absolutely enjoying the Sahur Bites this Ramadan. Hearing the parallels with my own upbringing, Latino, vaguely Christian, as well as the differences, have given me a much better and fonder understanding of Ramadan. Also, the Sahur Bites themselves are wonderful conversations. I have so much food to catch up on now. Oh, thank you, Jose. <laughs> part two. That's so nice. <laughs> part two. And this is relevant because uh, other people have asked similar or the same question in the Discord and other places. So I think it's really cool to have this conversation. Uh, part two is maybe asking for some free career advice here, but I was wondering if it's possible to make a career shift into the games industry as a producer. The notion of a producer varies widely between industries and in games, it can even vary between studios. But in a general sense, is it even possible to make that shift without going indie or self-publishing? Given that you generally need a team to be a producer, Thus, going solo doesn't seem immediately practical. What can one do to get those first lines on a resume? Yeah. I mean, yes, you can totally do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of people who come from outside of games. Basically, what you want to have is you want to have... Um, you want to be a clear and um, you want to be a clear communicator and you want to have a history in project management. Mm -hmm. Um, certifications or others that might refer to experience doing Scrum or Agile or anything might be helpful um, depending on the company and depending on the context and depending on what a producer does in that company. But in general, the same things are true. You are a team manager and you are a, a project manager, right? The, that seems to be true for a producer almost everywhere I've seen it. Mm -hmm. Um so if you have those experiences, applying for either associate producer, junior producer uh, roles will usually yeah. uh, give you a pretty good shot. Depending on the studio, there's also a role called production coordinator. And it's yep. very similar It's uh, to what a producer does, but it's like an entry level. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times you do that, but you do other, th other things that are not exactly related to production. But it's a great way to get into a team. Um, and like you know, learn to how to work with them and show that you're able to be a, a producer as well. So, right, yeah, that title has a lot of different variations as well. It could be yeah. a project coordinator, production coordinator. Yeah. Uh, but generally, it's uh, what Osama said, like a very nice entry level thing to 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 right. use. Mm -hmm. The 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 real big recommendation I would have if you want to make that switch is look for a position where you have a games producer working above you. Yeah. I know a lot of people want to go into production and they go indie and it is actually the hardest way of becoming a producer is working with an indie team because the team is a mess. You don't have mentorship or access to people who have done it. So even if you're a very good project manager in construction mm -hmm. or uh, you're a really good project manager in, uh, I don't know, a store or whatever it is, right? Games are a very specific, weird beast. Mm -hmm. And getting a feeling for how long things might take, getting a feeling for what kind of estimates you can trust and which kinds you can't and how much you can trust them. Getting a feeling for like the margins you need, for the way of thinking, for the way of approaching things. Having somebody who actually has done that for a while and has experience working above you or with you really, really helps in this regard. Yeah. Um, so don't try to go it alone. This is not a, you know, this is not a I'm going to figure it out as we go kind of job because you literally have the on time and on budget delivery of the, the game dependent on you. Yeah, ideally so. you, need, you need to witness um, a cycle either by, you know, doing it yourself under a watchful eye or like being part of a team that is uh, will be able to mentor you and, you know, be there for you as the 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 the, the cycle is going. 
because yeah, yeah you don't yeah. know what you don't know and there's some things that you know you have to see for yourself to okay. see how yeah. they really are done and that's the experience that you need eventually some some of the best producers i know and some of the best producers in the industry are people who haven't necessarily done a full cycle they're aware that they haven't done a full cycle and even you know half a decade a decade into their career they will still reject doing a full cycle because they just haven't seen it mm-hmm. um so they'll they'll look for mentorship or they'll look for somebody who has done that uh so even super experienced producers tend to be hyper aware of their strengths and weaknesses because it's just incredibly important for for especially in the producer role mm-hmm. that you understand where risks and opportunities are and that includes within yourself mm-hmm. right i i'd say also and this is it's gonna sound like it's a contradiction to what rami said but i don't mean it as one if you find like a small indeed hobbyist team that's like making a game that's low stakes that doesn't have a producer that might not be a bad idea to like, you know, get, donate some time to them and help them try to set up while you're learning. If you're very transparent about what you're able to do, um, I've seen that work out in, in some situations. Um, so it's something. It's not a, going to be a job, but it's going to get you those because you re- refer to those first lines on a resume that can get you uh, your first lines on a resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done similar mm-hmm. things where I worked on a hobbyist project in the past and I knew a person who was in the modding scene who wanted to become a game designer and couldn't get anything on the resume. And I just basically um, worked with him briefly, just on the game, showed him a couple of things, gave him a few tasks and get, that gave him his credit, game design credit, um, and uh, allowed him to get a job. And now he's, he's at a big AAA studio as a lead position. So it worked out in a very big way. I'm not saying it's always going to work, but there are situations where as long as the other team is not depending on you being perfect on your first time doing the job, where it's low stakes enough where you can attempt to yeah. volunteer sometime. Like basically just assume you're not even going to be good on your yes, first time around, exactly. mm-hmm. right? Like that's the attitude you have to come in with. If the team is okay with that, then yeah, of course. But like in general, I would say find a team that is somewhat larger, like large double A definitely, uh, or trip way, where there is the space for mentorship, where there is the time for mentorship, and bring that, bring clear project management and communication and team management uh, uh, experience. Bring that to your interview, because that's the things people are going to look for. This game specific thing, there's so many jobs in games where people land in the job without game specific knowledge per se. Yeah. Because that part is easy to teach, mm-hmm. right? Like we're all, we're experts on that. Everybody in a studio is experts on video games. Mm-hmm. So uh, that part is not the hard part to teach. But being a good communicator, that's hard to teach, mm-hmm. right? Being a, a kind communicator is hard to teach. Being um, being a good project manager, being diligent, being precise, those things are hard to teach. Those take years to teach. Mm-hmm. Going like, okay, in games, this takes a little longer than you might think. That takes two seconds to explain. I just did mm-hmm. it. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, keep that in mind. If, if you find a team where you don't even have to be good, yeah, what Osama said, 100%. Uh, and then just use it as experience to see how it feels and, and where you can be useful. Um, my general recommendation for producers specifically is is find a, find a bigger studio. Yeah. I agree. If you can, absolutely. Yeah. Do we have time for another email? Quick one, Fuzzy? I don't have quick ones. I only have two long ones. So do we delay them? Save them till uh, next week. Okay, we'll do that. Save them till next week. Good. This is a really... uh, Somebody do a segue. (laughs) Next week. Oh, there is the segue. Save them for next week because this is the end of the episode. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's right there. It was it right was in front right of me. There. It was right in front of me. <laughs> Fauzi set it up, and I swung and I missed. <laughs> Which is the we perfect do, segue. We don't do that. And then I segues. swung again. It has to be deep. Yeah. Then butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, can't, you yeah, can't just yeah. go straight into it. Doesn't yeah. work that no, way. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> we we hit every topic in just over one hour. That's how incredible. Did we do that. I'm impressed. A very productive podcast. Good job. <laughs> very productive podcast. I, I had a good time. It's good to have everybody back together. Yeah, oh yeah. I miss y'all. Yeah. Same. Same. Let's try more. Let's try to do more of this. <laughs> inshallah, we'll do that. Inshallah. inshallah. <laughs> In every way that inshallah means. <laughs> Just all the inshallahs. I'll stack the, the the many meanings of inshallah. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. 
Uh, well, that was another episode of The Habibis. For everybody listening, don't forget to send your emails to Osama at info <laughs> at thehabibis.com. Um, there will be a next episode, inshallah, inshallah, next Friday. For now, everybody, salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I was Rami Ismail, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias, and Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. The intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubayla. And the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea. With new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening and salam. <laughs>